infinitely more powerful than your conscious mind is going to seek out opportunities for you to work on trust building. And how are you going to work on trust building? By dealing with situations where trust is compromised and learning how to build trust in those situations. You're going to find it over and over again. It's like they talk about people who have crappy parents. It's like they date people like their crappy parents because they have to overcome those mental roadblocks in order to free themselves from that so that they can be a more evolved human. And I can tell you that Universal intelligence is obvious and well-studied and understood in psychology. Welcome to the Rising Leader Podcast, bringing forth the new wave of rising leadership and helping leaders find purpose, connection, and results. This is your host, founder of Alluviance, Alex Kremer. What is up, y'all? Welcome to the Rising Leader Podcast. And if this is your first time checking out the show, welcome. We are so grateful for you to be here. This is your host, Alex Kremer. I'm really excited about the conversation today. Uh, I got my good friend, Mr. Kevin Bailey. First off, what up, Kevin? Welcome to the show. Alex, great to be on, man. It is good. It's funny. Uh, So Kevin Bailey and myself, we met, I would say it's about seven or so, eight months or so ago, And he's one of those people that when we got in our initial conversation, it just kind of clicked. It was like, okay, this is one of my soul brothers right here. And we just aligned a lot in terms of both professional development, the inward journey, and just bringing our unique flavors, I guess you could say, to to the world. And I've been incredibly inspired by the work you've been doing. You are the co-founder and CEO of DreamFuel, and you are helping organizations, leaders, and sales professionals, and many around mental performance, which I'm very excited to dive into here. But most interested to just receive your wisdom, man. Every single time we have these conversations, I'm just like, I got my weekly dose of everything I need to know in this world. I love it, man. Yeah, we have great conversations, dude. There's no question about it. We do, man. We do. So you are the co-founder and CEO of DreamFuel, and it is a powerful company, and you're making incredible impact on many people, on many organizations. And I would love for you to first share just what do y'all do? What is the message that you're supporting many people with? And also, even if you're open to kind of diving in, like, how did you end up finding this path and getting to where that led you to starting DreamFuel? Yeah, no, happy to dive in there a little bit. And I think this could spur quite a conversation. Dream Fuel is a science-based mental performance coaching company. We are trying to bring the same quality of mental performance coaching that professional athletes get into corporate, largely with tech startups that are under incredible amounts of pressure. Just like pro athletes, we consider these to be kind of like corporate athletes. And they need the tools to sustain consistent levels of high performance. As any pro athlete will tell you, that starts in the mind. They obviously do a physical endeavor, but the yips and insecurities and imposter syndrome and stuff like that can plague athletic performances, as you can see on national TV. But it also plagues us in the boardrooms. It plagues us on sales calls. It plagues us as CEOs, founders, keeps us up in the middle of the nights. We're not sleeping well. And then that energy scarcity mindset can trickle through an entire organization and poison it. So when I was 25-ish, I founded my first tech startup. We were the fastest growing company in my state in 2011. And then we hit some turbulence, potential exit situation. And I had my first kid, kind of a fluke on that one. And it started this journey. I was introduced to a neuroscientist who was a mental performance coach, as well as a meditation expert. And I started to develop scientific practices. Uh, I went off to get my master's in neuroscience, applied neuroscience from King's College out of London. 
I delve deep into the other side of this. I like to say, you know, we're trying to be where science and heart meet, but the meditation practice uh, had its own. It was just as profound to me as the science part. It's kind of like learning the two things that really got dream fuel rolling. And we are in service to people's dreams, as the name implies. Our job is to help people realize their dreams, to teach them the tools that keep them in the hero's journey that brings them to those dreams. And just always keep the fire alive. I think it was almost like fire keepers, like shamans or something for people's dreams. And the thing that I love about dreams is that it's not always about the realization of the dream or the accomplishment of it. That's a nice dopamine hit, but it's actually the dreams that tether to pull people through the hero's journey that allows them to become better people. And it is that hero's journey that evolves people at a mind, body, and spirit level. And once they're done realizing the dream, they're just a completely different person. And I love that aspect of the coaching and the tools that we build and software that we create. But yeah, I mean, the inception of that business was a very spiritual thing for me that I'm happy to delve into a little deeper if you want. Yeah. Well, first off, I love the combination of the neuroscience plus the meditation. It's like the, the science and the heart, I think is how you described it there. And when I think of many leaders, sellers, whatever you want to call it, many people are either really good at the science or let's call it in sales, the tactics of it. And on the other side of the spectrum, other people are really good at the heart or the meditation or kind of the woo-woo stuff, I guess you can say. But what I really like about what you're speaking to here is you're finding the sacred third between both of those, right? It's the heart and the science between both. And with your team, with you guys being able to bring that, that is such a unique flavor that I don't think is prevalent today. Like, I don't think many organizations, let alone people, have the ability to combine both of those. Yeah, we are science-based, so that's the majority of what we do. But I can't help but understand that a lot of the tools we use, like visualization, as you learn from a person like Joe Dispenza, are incredibly powerful in the way that they access, let's say, fringe science, quantum science that we don't quite understand yet. But I can tell you from personal experience and guiding thousands of visualizations at this point, miraculous stuff. Hmm. Beyond anything we could ever, at this point in science, could prove. But I can tell you that it blows my mind on a daily basis what some of these tools do. You said earlier, dreams tether or pull people through the hero's journey. That just creates a really powerful visualization in my head. But I would love for you to share, what do you mean by that? Dreams are a tether that pull people through the hero's journey. This would be a good opportunity to maybe talk a little bit about the inception of Dream Fuel, the brand and the name and stuff, because Dream's in the name and this is a fundamental concept as it relates to this company. So speaking on the heart or the spiritual front, I decided after my first startup, Biowasco was very underground at that point. Now it's a lot more in the public. And I decided I would go give that a try. For those that don't know, ayahuasca is very potent psychedelics. In fact, it's the most potent chemical, neurochemical, dimethyltryptamine, DMT. They call it the God molecule for a reason, for scientists who study it. So I went and did that. It was an amazing experience. Yeah, I don't know. You read these books like Autobiography of a Yogi or some of the you know, Eckhart Tolle stuff. And they talk about all these amazing concepts and whatnot and, and what divinity is and what it feels like to be connected to it, but it's a whole other thing to experience it. And that's kind of what ayahuasca does. It gives you this experience of divinity that's beyond words. Uh, I'm not even gonna try and explain it. But at the end of it, you know, I was kind of sitting there in this afterglow of the experience. And I started to think about my friends. I started to think about 
the differences between my friends and some of them were happy and successful and, and growing personally, professionally, spiritually, but some of them were really stagnated, kind of put them in two buckets. And it was a sobering thing to do. And, and it was hard to be judgmental of my friends like that, but I was in that state and I was able to do it. And the one thing that differentiated the two categories of friends was which ones were continuing to pursue their dreams. I recognized that those who continue to pursue their dreams are living much more rich, enjoyable, valuable lives. And I like being around them. We have great times and they're in a state of abundance. Even if they're not quote unquote successful yet, the ones we're still chasing, like they're just living to better lives. And then the ones who had dropped their dreams were depressing to be around and really it was sad. It was hard. Some really close friends, like a best friend of mine, you know, we couldn't hang anymore. You know, it was just, it was depressing. So anyhow, I started crying and it kind of was an epiphany to me. And then what popped out of my head was dreams are sacred. It's the dreams that inspire us to tap into the divine faculties that rest within us, almost out of like necessity. Necessity is the mother of all invention. And they aspire us to be our very best selves and pull through some of the most heroing and challenging, especially like a founder of a company, for example, or a leader or whatever, like more trying to set a record of their company or something. You know, it's like those missions, they pull the very best out of us. And in fact, with tools like visualization, you actually start to tap into realizing the divine qualities that exist inside of our humanity as you're coping with all of the lower faculties, the shame and guilt and dreams and temptations that we all wrestle and struggle with. That's talked about heavily in, in the Christian faith, which I'm a part of. You said a couple of things there I want to double click into. So you said dreams are sacred. I think that's a great statement right there. And then missions pull the very best out of us missions pull the very best out of us. I think both those really, really speak to me, to be honest with you. I feel that when we are being called towards something greater, a purpose, a mission, a meaning that you're trying to bring to this world, life becomes easy in a way. As weird as that sounds, it's like certain times when we get stuck in the rat race of corporate or doing our jobs or even being in a relationship and just like get stuck in the monotony of it, and it becomes hard. We have to really try at it. But when we're actually on a mission, when we have a purpose, when there's meaning behind it, it feels almost effortless. I mean, and, and you said something good. It's like, it doesn't mean necessarily that people have made it, so to speak, but there's a greater grace, fulfillment that comes when people have that. Psychologists have shown that people who are on the mission in the tough parts of the journey are about 40% happier on average. So the people who are refusing the call, who aren't going on their missions, who have all the excuses in the world, they're the ones who are actually suffering more psychologically in the comfort zone than those who are going out and embarking in discomfort and going through all of the growth that happens when you do charge after a mission. It's not just a feeling you have, it's been studied. And I'm assuming that applies to athletes as well. I mean, you mentioned that you're bringing a lot of what the mental performance for athletes are to the everyday person, the executive, whatever it might be. And yeah, my former co-founder is a pro athlete and she's just qualified for the Olympic trials. So yeah, we definitely bring the sports aspect in. Yes. So let me ask you this. I mean, having a dream is important. Having a mission is critical here, it sounds like, to a greater life. I feel like very, not everybody, but very few people have that, or at least they're searching for it. And they know that there's something more, that they're supposed to be put on earth to do something that bring their unique flavor. But many people are like, I don't know what it is. So what would you say to somebody 
who's there is like, hey, I'm trying to figure it out. A couple of things I like to say when I get that question. First of all, your purpose is what you're doing right now. So people are like, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? Well, what is the universe gifted you that you're doing right now? That's your purpose. When you are meant to pursue another purpose, my belief is that the universe will be screaming at you about it. And it will be so obvious that the only way you refuse the call is by pure ignorance, yeah, just ignoring it. Refusal, pure refusal. If you're doing something right now and it's not obvious you should be doing something else, then that's your purpose. It's preparing you for the next thing. Lean in on it. Be the best you can be at the thing you're doing. If every time you turn around, there's something pointing in a direction of another mission, then that's what's next. And you got to suck it up and deal with whatever fears you have that are stopping you from taking that journey, refusing the call, find your mentors, find your guts and cross the threshold. Just casually quoting a little Joseph Campbell, hero's journey right there. Sure. So going back to then how the dreams tether people through the hero's journey and the purpose there, whatever the universe is screaming at you, whatever is right in front of you, the first part of the hero's journey is everyday life. The second part is to hear the call. And the third part is to refuse the call. And then I think fourth is you find a mentor. And then fifth, you cross the threshold. So for everybody right now who, let's say they're in the corporate world, right? Let's say they're an account executive or, or a sales leader at a series D company getting ready to go public. How can one find one's dreams, one's mission, even within an organization like that, that at the end of the day is trying to produce revenue and be a company? What does that actually look like? Is that possible? I mean, certainly. There's lots of people who have incredible missions inside of companies. You don't have to be founding your own company to be on a mission. And you can have missions at home too. Maybe your mission is to be a better dad than your own. Maybe your mission is to find inner peace. Maybe your mission is to go build the best sales team that's ever existed at your company. Maybe your mission is to set records for sales. Maybe your mission is to learn how to be a great salesperson and have work-life balance at the same time. You learn how to be efficient. One thing that came to me in that realization as well, which is all dreams are created equal. There's no good and bad dreams, big, small, I don't give a damn, you know? Any dream that you consider a dream is a dream and, and fully valid. We don't respect and honor the small dreams as much as we should. Everybody's like, oh, look at that dude trying to do that crazy thing. It's like, cool. I think it's crazy that, that that person wants inner peace. That's an audacious dream right there, you know? Good luck. If you're in an organization and you're leading a team or doing something like that, go crush that. That's your purpose right now. That's your mission. Like I said, when it's time to change, the universe will knock on the door loudly enough. It will be obvious. You don't need to search. If you're going to do any searching, if there's anybody who's like, I don't see it and I want to search, then I go follow your excitement. You know, wake up in the morning on a Saturday and just go, what do I want to do today? And just go follow that. If you like your organization, but you're not like, maybe this role isn't for me, then go follow your excitement within your company and go talk to people who are doing things you find cool. Eventually, following your excitement will lead you to the next purpose. But it's not really necessary. It's going to come knocking when you're ready. It's like you're in training right now. I'm in training too. We're all in training right now. I don't know what the next thing is going to be. I have a concept of it. I have a vision for it. I potentially want to launch an accelerator someday. Dream Fuel will hopefully be the bridge to that and part of it and continue to support that accelerator. But it's like it's training right now. It reminds me as you were sharing that too about like, what are you doing right now? and be the very best at that right now. Like that is your purpose. What are you doing right now? And 
It's both your purpose and it's training you. You got to understand it's like what I'm doing right now is as important as this is to me. It's practice for the next thing. I don't know what the next thing is exactly. I just told you, I think I kind of know, but like, who knows? It might be something totally different, but I know I'm being prepared right now for whatever's next. And whether that's true or not, and that's my belief system, it's a great way to think. When I was the end of my first startup, I ended up having, this is when I learned to be a salesperson, like after we went through this whole potential acquisition process and we went through some turbulence, I had to go in and actually sell again as a founder. And the first time I sold, it was out of pure passion. I had my business partner with me and we were a good tag team. I was like the numbers guy and we, we managed to do decent founder-led sales. And then now it's like, hey, you're on your own as an independent salesperson with all of our other salesperson, like go get it done. Here's your number. And I knew like I had to do it to avoid something like a layoff. Basically, it was a tough time. I had to go like learn to be a salesperson. And at that point, what we were selling, the Mar MarTech stuff, like I wasn't even passionate about it. I'm like, I don't even care what I'm selling anymore, you know? I was over it. But when I went and I was sitting there with the sales trainer, his name was Tim Roberts, the sailor trainer, he's an awesome guy. He's like, why are you doing this? And I was like, well, obviously, like my company needs me to do this. But I, then I like something, an inner voice and intuition came and I said, because I'm in training for something, I don't even know I'm, what I'm training for, but I know I'm in training. And then lo and behold, John Dreamful comes around and this is definitely my mission as it stands right now. Mm. But I knew it. We're all in training all the time for what's next. Doesn't make this any less important. It just means you're being prepared. That's my mindset. This episode is brought to you by Alluvians. Alluvians is helping sales professionals and sales leaders master the craft of sales by transforming the inner game. Last year, we threw over four retreats and helped over 150 tech sales professionals, leaders, and founders. And next, we got it going on May 3rd through 5th in the beautiful Austin, Texas area. So make sure you apply to alluvians.co to check it out for more. Well, it's even that the mindset of sacred outlook, right? Everything has a positive purpose. Why am I being put into this situation? What is the challenge that I am being called to face right now? And if you are continually being faced with that challenge, you haven't yet learned the lesson. You haven't yet integrated it. Yeah, you've got to learn the lesson. I think that's such an important thing to note. I hear that sometimes when people want to change jobs. They're like, I, I don't like what's happening here. And this is pissing me off. And that, and that person's pissing me off, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you have to walk through this fire and learn what you need to learn from this person or the situation. Because nine times out of 10, you leave this job, your energy will seek out the same circumstance again and call it karma or whatever you want. And you'll, you'll go through it again. Either take the opportunity to deal with this now or enjoy dealing with it again in the future. I mean, that's unbelievably true right there. Even going into the vibration that you are putting out is going to attract that exact same vibration to you. And you even relate that to and the subconscious, kind of like the reticular activating system in the brain. They call this people talk about self-fulfilling prophecies, but it's like it's going to seek out and find whatever you are. I always say you create what you are. So if you're somebody who has trust issues, you're going to create subconscious, which is infinitely more powerful than your conscious mind is going to seek out opportunities for you to work on trust building. And how are you going to work on trust building? By dealing with situations where trust is compromised and learning how to build trust in those situations. You're going to find it over and over again. It's like they talk about people who have crappy parents. It's like they date people like their crappy parents because they have to overcome those mental roadblocks in order to free themselves from that so that they can be a more evolved human. And I can tell you that Universal intelligence is obvious and well-studied and understood in psychology. It's like, <laughs> you're going to recreate the pattern. So deal with them as they stand. And, and like I said, if you're in a situation with like somebody who's driving you crazy at work, it doesn't mean sit there and take it. Oftentimes it means 
get into conflict with them and deal with it and then free yourself of that. Then you can move on to the next thing. But don't run away from something. Don't run away from somebody unless they're physically harming you. Mm -hmm. I mean, so how does one actually finally learn the lesson? I don't know if you want to even relate this to visualization as well. You know, you came on our Alluvians community call last Tuesday. You talked about some of the science behind visualization and also how that literally changes the neuroplasticity of your brain to attract what you're wanting you know, in this world. And I think that even relates to what you're talking about here. It's like, hey, if you're facing some sort of shit, whatever it might be over and over and over again, whether it be at a job, in a relationship, whatever it might be, it's like, how do we actually change our energetic towards that and how it morphs and work through? So again, we can get more aligned with what our filling mission actually is. (laughs) Maybe our happier mission is about it. Okay. I'll give you an example. It's super personal and it relates to visualization. So My third child, Amelia, was the toughest baby we've ever had. And she would, she'd colic, she'd cry all the time. She was allergic to everything. My wife was on like whole 30 the whole time. I'd be up in the middle of the night and you could tell at some point, you know, once the energy started to shift to where it went from love for our child to my wife getting postpartum depression to me starting to like throw the white flag up kind of thing. I realized I was starting to, tough to say, but really resent my baby daughter. And I can remember, and I know these tools, so I can remember one night I was sitting there and she was screaming at me. I felt all this energy well up in me of anger. I had a decision to make at that point. I was like, am I going to let this anger overwhelm me? Am I gonna let this energy overwhelm me? Or am I gonna do what I know how to do to change this energy? And it was, it was a real decision point because everything in me wanted to scream and just put her in a crib and let her cry and just walk away. So as I'm sitting there staring at her, almost like a swimmer, you know, and you're going in one direction, I just the swimmer and then you got to do a loop and then push in the other direction. It's like, I had to do that with my energy. So I'm going at this wall of anger and I close my eyes and I use all the tools I know of to mute my mind and mute her. And in my mind and all, with all this emotion, all this negative emotion, I transmuted it by, well, I went forward a couple of years in the future and I imagined her as the most delightful, enjoyable child to be with, a real like pillar of our family, bringing us to tears of laughter, so funny, so magnetic, so cool, so charming. And I gave her a nickname, I called her Millie in my mind. Her name was Amelia. I was choking up and smiling and I felt it fully in my soul. I had so much energy going from the negative that I saw it so clearly in my eyes that this was going to be her future role in our family. And I knew it clicked and I felt it and I saw it and I felt whatever you could call like Dispenza talks about. I, I felt the shift and then I opened my eyes. She's still crying, you know, I calmed her down, put her to sleep, woke up, told my wife about it. And fast forward a couple of years later, we don't call her Millie, we call her Misa. And she is the most charming and joyous and beautiful soul who brings so much vibrance to our family. The question goes, okay, was the vision prophetic? Like I was seeing the future or something? Or did the visualization actually change space time to create a different timeline? I don't fucking know. <laughs> but like I can tell you, I visualized that. And it completely changed from that day forward. The energy started to shift toward that version of reality where she was that person, not by force or will or anything. Like I just did the visualization and now 
we have a completely different dynamic, both my wife and I with our daughter. And it's cool. It's cool to see. It's just a good example of changing energy is using visualization. How do you feel like when you did that impacted Millie? I can tell you that my energy changed entirely in that moment. And that if anything, I obviously don't know how space-time works. I don't know how the quantum works. I've studied a little bit. I have some guesses. I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole. But I can tell you that from a mere neuron standpoint, from a neuroscience standpoint, she picked up an entirely different vibe from me from that moment forward. She felt the love again from me. And we do mirror each other. It's mere neurons. Like, we mirror each other. So she started to feel that vibe for me. And I don't know if that helped her become who she is now or whatever. But all I know scientifically is that my state of consciousness, my state of being changed, and we naturally reflect each other. And I was the dominant state at that point. And she may have started to reflect a little bit of that spirit inside of me or that energy or that state of being. Perception's reality. I don't know. I started talking about her that way. I was talking to my wife about her that way. I told my wife the vision. I think she started to buy into it. And we all just started kind of seeing her a little differently than we were. And now she is that. And unequivocally, it's not like she's like giant pain in the ass all the time right now. We're just blowing smoke or something. Like she is the most, like I have videos for on LinkedIn. She vibrates at such an amazing level. I don't know if it's prophetic vision or if space time changed or it's all just placebo. But placebo is really powerful. I don't know what it is, but I can tell you stark shift in energy. Yeah, I relate that to every area of your life. I relate that to a sales call. It's like whether or not people realize it, they feel it. <laughs> like they feel your 100%. difference when you're coming 100%. from an anger. The first thing we did with Dream Fuel's work with salespeople, doing exactly what I said, is like go into that call, prime yourself with visualization. I remember David Duran, CEO of Greenlight, a, a startup we worked with from Jump Street. I remember he was getting ready for a call. He was CEO, founder selling or whatever. And like he was doing the whole objection thing analysis. He's like, Kevin, I got these 10 potential objections and here's my rebuttals. Getting ready. He's like very scarcity. He's like getting ready to like handle any objection. And I'm like, David, can you just tear that sheet up for a minute? And I just want you to close your eyes. And I just want you to see this dude saying like, we're in. Just go into the call. Instead of worrying, he's going to say no. Just go in thinking he's going to be like, let's go. David rolls his eyes and does it. And then jumps on the call. First thing the guy says, David, we're in. And then David looks at me and goes, what the <laughs> and uh, and I said, see, and that was like, I think for him, one of those epiphanies where he understood mindset at that point, And it changed our, our trajectory of working with that company. We started working with all the AEs and they grew like a weed and became a very high growth startup at that point. But like, it was just one of those apex experiences where David shifted his energy, was able to see beyond his fears for a moment. In that case, the client was just like, boom, we're in. But, you know, when we started teaching this stuff to the AEs, the green light, when, when we had a good sample set, 46% was a difference in close rates of an AE who practiced all of these mental performance techniques and one who didn't. We'd see a 46% bump in close rates by practicing this stuff. And right now at this point, you know, law of large numbers, we see about a 20% bump. So you can get a 20% bump by using tools like this in your close rate. So we've proven that with clients. So obviously if you are teaching this stuff right here, you first are having to live it yourself. Yeah, it's going to be different, you know? I mean, it's like, even as you share, there's a transmission that's coming off of you as you're sharing this stuff that says, oh, Kevin's not just telling me to do something. Like, he's obviously committed to the work himself and still very humble to the journey he is on as well. You know, I know one of the things that we really connect with from one of our first means is, you know, we both had spiritual teachers. We both subscribed to serving God and also being still in 
the world and business. And you have a wonderful family. You have four kids, five kids, four? Four. Four kids. You bring a path of, I would call it spirituality. I'll name it that, right? You have a spiritual person and you bring the science to it too. But it's not common that I ask this question on the Rising Leader podcast, but like, I would love for you just to kind of share, what does that mean to you when you think of, of your spirituality? spirituality? Yeah, your spirituality and what you are bringing, because you're talking about you're changing your brain and the science behind it. But at the end of the day, you're being guided by something, right? There's yeah. something in you. Like I said, I'm Christian, I'm Catholic. And I believe a lot of people listening to this probably at least have had some Christianity in, in their past. And this is in America. So I'll come at it from a, what I think is a Christian perspective on it, my perspective on spirituality and how it relates to all of this. And this was, was funny. Like I said, I work with a guy, a mindset coach, and her name is Banya. She's actually Eastern, so she was a, a Buddhist nun. I think we have a lot to learn from the East. But anyway, she, I can still be a Christian and, and study Buddhist stuff. It's a philosophy. But anyway, she goes, at the, after our work together, you know, and I'm kind of telling her like, Banya, you know, like we talk about these divine faculties and how we have it within us. God within us is the same energy that creates universes. And, but I'm also this frail and weak, vulnerable human who could be crushed by half the things around me at any given moment who deals with, you know, these emotions, hate, fear, anger, greed, lust, the temptations, the sorrow, and the dreams that are really human. Because theoretically, the divine in us is like, oh, I create universes. So Kevin's little dreams aren't a big deal. The dreams come from the human, you know? And I said, hey, it's hard to reconcile the two, Banya, frankly. I've experienced the power of visualization. I've seen what that can do. And then I also, though, wake up in the morning and I know how vulnerable I am. And she goes, Kevin, I want you to meditate on the fact that you're both. That within you is the power to create universes, God working through you. And you are also this frail human. And I just want you to meditate on that. So like I meditated on it for a couple of weeks and I wasn't getting much. Then finally one day, this is probably the time where I empathized most with Christ's path and understood it better. The incredible journey that he went on. It was like, uh, it's personal for us because both of us were half Jewish. So I got all that lineage stuff, Old Testament stuff. Anyway, I was thinking about what he was saying. We are human and we are sinners and we have all these beautiful humanity. I love being a human. These lower level experiences that sometimes, and this is in the East and I, they kind of like talk down about or whatever, but it's like, I love the passion of being human and the hero's journeys and, and the fear and the dragons and all that psychological dragons and all the shit we got to encounter. And it's in that humanity, because sometimes I think in the spiritual path, we want to disconnect from our humanity. And it's in that humanity that's talked about really flatly in Christianity. It's in being connected to that humanity, being in that place and reconciling and understanding that we also have God within us. And in the East, they say the lower chakras. So you got the lower three are like survival and confidence and trust. And then the upper one, the upper third eye, crown, throat, this is like manifestation. This is like the divine faculties. And like Yogananda and some of the Indian saints are like meditate on the third eye and you can access all these crazy dimensions of, you know, when you're visualizing, you're visualizing in your third eye. Anyway, uh, which is that power of that. But yeah, it's knowing that you're both the two energies, this divinity and this humanity meet in the middle. And in the middle is the heart chakra, the sacred heart of Christ that empathizes with all of these people who are just like them. Both have the divinity inside of them and all this human primal stuff going on that's plaguing them and hindering them and limiting them. It's the compassion, because that's what Banya talks about. Compassion is, is the most powerful energy in the universe. It's the compassion for everyone else's plight, including your own, that just 
makes us great coaches, great leaders, great people is like just knowing they're on the same quest, same issues, same stuff, both divine and human on this wonderful earth, having this cool human experience, living the dream, which it is a dream. That's what Christ brought. Very grateful for the message. It's profound, man. I love the bringing in the third eye with the root chakra and meeting in the middle of the heart and combining both those worlds. I mean, it goes back to what we were talking about even earlier on, the neuroscience plus the meditation, the science plus the heart, all these different things, like the, the sacred third between both of them. And, and that's just what makes us human. Here's what I'll ask. And to be honest, I really wish we had another two hours for this recording right here and just to jam out. First off, I'd love to understand if people want to get a hold of you, what is the best way to do so? Yeah, I'm just Kevin at dreamfuel.com or they can hit me on LinkedIn, Kevin James Bailey. Easy, two easiest ways to connect with me. I put content up on LinkedIn pretty frequently and we got a newsletter at dreamfuel.com. I'm curious. Like I said, we mainly work with tech leaders, but any leader, not-for-profits, impact companies, whatever, uh, account executives as well, sales leaders. And my last question for you is this. The show is called The Rising Leader Podcast. My question for you is, what do you view as the rising leader? Somebody on a mission who's leveling up themselves and loving every minute of it. Kevin, man, it's an honor. I love how we bring in our personal conversations a little bit into this to share with the world. Like I said at the beginning, man, I'm unbelievably inspired by your mission and grateful to be doing that same thing with you, man. So thank you for being on the show. And y'all make sure that if somebody needs to hear this, you share it because it is something good here. So Kevin, thanks, brother. Thanks, bro. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Rising Leader Podcast. Make sure you hit that follow button so you get notified every time a new episode releases. If you know someone who wants to take their lives and their career to the next level, send them this episode so we can all rise together. For more information, check out alluvians.co. We'll see you next time. And in the meantime, keep letting it flow. This episode is brought to you by Alluvians. Alluvians is helping sales professionals and sales leaders master the craft of sales by transforming the inner game. In the past 12 months, we've thrown over four retreats and impacted over 100 tech sales professionals, leaders, and founders on diving in deep on what really matters, but really mastering the craft and being in an incredible community. Our next Arise Immersion is coming up this May 3rd through 5th in the beautiful Austin, Texas area, and make sure sure you grab your spot, check out alluvians.co to apply there. Hope to see you there.